0: Welcome in to Stacking the Box podcast with Matt Verderam and Sterling Holmes. I am Sterling Holmes. Verderam, how are you? I'm good. I'm good.
1: I'm I'm fighting off a head cold, but uh, we're gonna get it done. We're gonna get it done. You know, listen, I'm gonna play a little hurt. This isn't baseball. I'm not gonna go on the IL for eight months because I had a hangnail. So, um, we're gonna we're gonna battle through. Uh, you know, I I I'm, I'm feeling
0: okay. Feel better as the days going on. How are you doing? I'm uh, doing well. I'm doing well. I, I am not fighting a head cold. Just had good a few beers last night watching that uh, that Monday night football game, but I'm feeling great.
1: Feeling yeah. good. Yeah, I sat there and watched it and drank uh, uh, multiple Coronas, and uh, <laughs> you know, it was it was fun. That game that game sucked. Okay. Yeah. And by, by the way, I, I'm I'm going to preemptively say this: the Ravens have the easiest schedule the rest of the season. They're going to be really good the rest of the way, and everybody's going to get really excited. And then they're gonna get into the playoffs. And they're gonna to have to do four or five things in the passing game to win a game, and they're not gonna do it. Like that that is last night, everybody's like, you know, Baltimore. We get in this weird thing every time the Ravens play a game. And I don't want to get too off topic here, but like every time the Ravens play a game, they win. I feel like it's almost like announcer bingo that they've got to be. You know what? Got to pay Lamar. Got to get Lamar paid. Got to make sure Lamar gets paid. Does anybody talk about Lamar getting paid? What about Lamar? It's like he went twelve of twenty-two for a buck thirty-three. Like, like, let's calm down. Like, I, they won the game because defensively they rocked Andy Dalton all night long. Like that's why they won the game. Lamar Jackson did virtually nothing for most of that football game. Which, by the way, like, fine, didn't have to, but and I'm not saying not to pay him, but can we have an honest conversation about Baltimore? Like they partially because of Jackson, partially because of the receivers. I think actually this year, more receivers than Jackson to be fair to them. They can't throw the ball. Like you're going to get, they are going to get in January. They're going to get in January. I think they're going to win the division. They're going to play Kansas city, Buffalo, Miami. And guess what? You have to score. Got to throw the ball to win those games. And, Nope. It's not it ain't happening because you can't do it. So I, I just I think Baltimore is a very good regular season team, but I, I still like I look at them every week and I'm like, yeah, you're still throwing for a buck fifty. Like it's just not it's not gonna translate.
0: It doesn't help when Isaiah likely is dropping multiple balls and no marking. It injuries. is not helping. No, yeah, no, not not helping the whole situation there. But let's get into the NFC yep. here. Is it time yep. to bury the Packers and the Rams? bury them i'm not sure bury them yes um okay so, yeah. sorry i'm not i'm not new york over here hey hey listen how do you say bangles uh bangles i i think is i think
1: is the proper proper term oh learn learn how to learn how to speak okay uh,
0: lawyer or lawyer okay come on i could do this all day with you
1: well, we probably shouldn't we'll boy the audience i <laughs> I think it is time to put the Packers and the Rams in the ground. Okay. Let's put it that way. Uh, the Packers are three and six. They scored nine points against the Lions, who have the worst defense in football. The, the, the Packers suck. Like, I, sometimes it's just that simple. And, and I don't I don't mean that to be like, oh, I, you know, like my honest analysis to them is they do not have enough weapons to threaten anybody. This leads to Rodgers doing two things. Pouting, number one. Number two. Forcing the ball, and in, in in this game he threw three picks. Now, the two red zone picks really weren't even forced. One of them was just a god awful throw. Bakhtiari on that on that that play where he's tackle eligible is wide open. If he makes even a halfway, decent throws, throw it's a touchdown. Number two, I think you watch that game and you just say, "Look, they, they don't they don't create separation. Like they very rarely get themselves in a spot where some guy is open down the field." Now, I tweeted it out. And I have the tweet up in front of me. But if you take Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, and Sammy Watkins, who are basically the guys who are going to replace Devontae Adams, those guys combined have less yardage and fewer touchdowns than Devontae Adams this year. And Devontae Adams this year has been good by his standards, but not, like, unbelievable. He's not having, like, Tyreek Hill's year. And I think the Packers and the Chiefs were were constantly brought up in the same breath this offseason, right? Because Devontae Adams got traded away and Tyreek Hill got traded away. And the Chiefs brought in Valdez Scantling from Green Bay and they brought in Smith Schuster. Now, well, certainly neither one of those guys is hiring Hill. Those guys are producing. Smith Schuster's on pace for almost 1,300 yards and, and Valdez Scantling's on pace for the best year of his career. Like they have been able to replace Hill because those guys they've brought in have worked for them. Sky Moore has not, but those other guys have. Nothing has worked for the Packers. Nothing. And what you're left with is a shell of an offense. And you're left with a defense that, quite honestly, I think plays the wrong scheme for its personnel. You have all these first-round players, and you're in zone constantly. Yeah, I think they're done. And the Rams, to me, it's an easier – the Rams just – they have no offense. It's Cooper Cup, and it's nobody else. They just – they cannot function the way they are currently built. That team needs to be able to run the ball in McVay's system. They can't. They have no weapons other than Cup. And if Cup's not open every play, they're screwed. Uh, And and that division is just
0: too tough. I don't think they're going to beat out San Francisco or Seattle. Yeah, with the Rams, we saw a little bit from Allen Robinson this previous game. He he made a couple of very nice catches. I go, are we starting to see Allen Robinson? But I'm also sitting here going, he wasn't getting any separation. That was just a phenomenal catch in a very tight window. How, How long is that going to last? That seems more like a one-off than a continued progression from Allen Robinson and Matt Stafford. Now, if Odell Beckham Jr. goes back to the Rams and he's the Odell Beckham Jr. of old, well, then I think they might have a little bit left in the tank. But that offensive line is going nowhere. That offensive line is horrendous. Matt Stafford doesn't have a lot of time, and they can't run. You're correct. The Rams, I I have a lot of question marks about, but I think the defense is good enough to keep them in games. The Packers, they seem to be more done than anyone. They don't know how to use Aaron Jones. He might be the best wide receiver on that team outside of of uh, Alan Lazard. Use him then. If he's that good of a receiving back, use him in the slot. Do something with him. He's been the most effective when they use him as a receiver. Why do they go away from that? It makes zero sense. I agree. I agree. And I, I also I look at this and sit there
1: and say, you know what? You're not playing the way you should be playing. I, I agree with you there. Um, I, I also think, I also think that when you look at the Packers, this is a team that should be really pretty dominant defensively. And they're not, they're okay. They're not bad defensively. That's not their biggest problem. And now Rashawn Gary's out for the year. So that's a, that's a killer, but you know, their next three games are the, are the Cowboys the Titans and the Eagles. They don't win those games. Maybe, Maybe they beat Tennessee. Maybe. I don't know. Can they score against Tennessee? So it's. I look at the Packers, and I think the, the the way I want to dovetail out of this is, what do you do with them going forward? Like, do you just roll this back and and say, hey, you know what? Or run this back, roll it forward, and say, listen, we're going to go with Ra- we're going to go with Rogers again in twenty twenty three, and we're going to spend the fortune on them. I mean, if you're spending that kind of cap money on, on Rodgers, you're not going to be able to go out and spend a whole bunch of money elsewhere. You're not like you, you're going to have to spend money to retain your own guys that you you think are a part of the future. And the other part of this, too, is like this is year three now for Jordan Love. Like, do you, are she ever going to play? Is he just, is he a waste of time? I mean, they're in the, they see him in the building every day. So I would, I would imagine they have some idea of what they think he is. But I, I don't know. Like, if you're the Packers, are you really excited about Aaron Rodgers for the next couple of years? Or are you just like, you know what? If we can move him and get a bunch of picks, we'll do it. You know, But then there's the other side of that. It's like his cap number is so big. Who the hell's trading for him? So you, they're in a tough spot right now. They're in a really tough spot. I think somebody would trade for him for the record. I mean, he's Aaron Rodgers. But I, I do not think it would be a bidding war. I think it would be one of these things where it's like, well, these three teams can afford him and have a use for him. I look forward, by the way, to the Saints being the team. $60 million over the cap. We're like, don't worry about it. We've got it covered. We'll do anything. It's fine. We'll play with 12 guys combined.
0: We're good to go. <laughs> and with the way Russell Wilson's contract is working out in Denver, that's probably a knock against trading for Aaron Rodgers, just yeah. seeing how that has played out Matt so Ryan. far. Yeah. yeah. Not. Okay. I, I get it. Aaron Rodgers is different, but still, that gives some teams cause to pause. So we're selling on the Rams. We're selling on the Packers. Yeah. But are you buying the Jets?
1: I'm buying that the Jets are better than I thought they were. I'll be the first one to sit up here and say, and hey, look, I thought this year they would still not be a good team. I thought they'd be better because I like their rookie class, but I don't believe in Zach Wilson. I still don't believe in Zach Wilson, by the way. I, I, I think he's going to be a huge impediment to them. But I was very curious to see Robert Sava. And, okay, second year, better team, are you a good coach? He's proving that he he's pretty capable, right? And so you knew he could coach up a defense. Their defense is really good; like they can play defensively. My question is going to be with the Jets. They were able to beat the Bills by basically just running the ball down Buffalo's throat the entire game. Is that something they're going to be able to do week in and week out offensively? Now, here's the good news: you have six wins already, and you still have Jacksonville, Chicago, and Detroit at home. I mean, I think they're getting a nine. Now, now the problem for the Jets. The rest of their schedule is is not easy. So if you look at the Jets schedule here going forward. I mentioned those three home games. So put those games aside. There are other games this year at the Pats, at the Vikings, at the Bills, at the Dolphins, at the Seahawks. Like I think the Jets are legitimately a playoff contender can you win one of those road games? Can you get to 10? The reason I say that is because if you look at the conference, tell me if you disagree with me. I think the teams that are, barring injury, guaranteed to make the playoffs. The Chiefs, the Bills, the Ravens, the Titans. Those four. Mm-hmm. Then you have the Dolphins, who I think are damn near close to being guaranteed to make the playoffs. And then you get into, like, the Chargers, the Bengals, the Jets, the Pats. Four teams, two spots. The Pats already have beaten the Jets in their building. So have the Bengals. So the Jets might not be on the right side of these tiebreakers now. Of course, they could break back with New England on the road. But they might have to get to 10 to get in the playoffs. Like Nine and a bunch of breakers might not work for them. So that's where I fall on them. But I'm very impressed with that win against Buffalo.
0: That defense is legitimately good. Uh, as a Kansas City guy, I was wanting DJ Reed to come to KC all off season, and we're seeing what he's done in New York, uh, it, it, New Jersey, New York. Same thing. Come on now, the New hey, Jersey hey, hey, Jets hey. sounds better anyway. The, the Jersey Jets, the Jersey Jets sounds badass. Come on, I gotta tell you,
1: I think people in New York would, for most of their time, please claim them. Uh, I don't think it'd be an argument.
0: But Sauce Gardner um, is outstanding. That that entire defense yes got to give a ton of credit. And you mentioned Robert Sala. This has been, in my opinion, the one year you can po- uh, point to coaching and say, yeah, it's been a huge difference maker around the entire entire NFL. Brian Dable, Sala. Look at some positives. You know what? Some negatives. Denver, Hackett, Josh McDaniels, Raiders. Brayden Staley you know the AFC West basically outside of Andy Reid and the Chiefs I mean if you want to look at when head coaching really matters this is the year to do it I just want to give the Jets a ton of credit for what they've been able to do with like you mentioned very limited at quarterback
1: swimsuit check sunscreen check phone charger check Speaking of coaching, uh, thoughts on the Colts currently? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's a universal thought on the Colts right now. I I don't even know where to begin with the Colts. So I'll dive right in. I wrote a column, a reactionary column to this. I reached out to a whole bunch of people in the league that I know and just said, hey, basically, just give me your thoughts on, on what is happening. I had one source text me back that it was the most – Surprising hire he's seen in 30-plus years of being in the league. I had another source say that the only reason this makes sense is they're actively tanking. Uh, I mean, and I, I actually did have another source who was like, hey, good for Jeff. So, I think mean, there's there's that too, right? I mean, a, a happier source maybe. Um, I, all I will say is this. I have nothing personal against Jeff Saturday. I've never met him. He seems like a very nice man. Good. I hope it works out for him. If I was on the Colts, Coaching staff, I would be fucking furious. Mm. Like, you don't think anybody in this room, you don't think anybody in this room is good enough to be an interim head coach of this football team. So you went and hired a guy who has no experience at college or pro levels in, in the coaching ranks. Oh, and by the way, if I have to listen to one more person tweet me and say, well, you know, he's a Colts legend. Yeah. So is Reggie Wayne, and he's on the staff. Okay. So Cato June was a really good player. He won a Super Bowl. Man, won a Super Bowl. Like this idea that, well, they had to go with Jeff Saturday because he's, he's an inter- interesting pick is insane. That's nonsense. It's a ridiculous hire. And if I was a coaching staff, I would be pissed.
0: Yeah. Is Edron James now going to be the offensive coordinator? Is he the running back's coach now? Like, this makes zero sense to me. I'm with you. I would be absolutely furious if I was on the coaching staff. I know it was Ursay coming out and saying, well, he doesn't have any experience in the college and NFL level. So we actually like that. We, he has no preconceived I, notions. Jim, I was available. Maybe, <laughs> I mean,
1: I would have gotten in there. I would have screamed about how much I hate analytics. I would have been fine. Yeah. <laughs> Could have brought me in. Hey, I'm right here, man. Uh, Indeed, it's, it's a short drive from here.
0: I, I will say this. Will, will you agree, though? If it's just the rest of this season, it's not going to be the worst thing in the world. This is a guy you're basically throwing out there to get fired. But if they sign him to a extension and he's back next year, then I would say this is an absolute disaster, and you're going to have a lot of the coaching staff up in arms.
1: You know what? I actually I slightly disagree. The fact that you did this makes me very concerned about your ability to make a decision on the next head coach. Like, how do you not it, look, if you don't want to give Gus Bradley the job as the interim guy, even though he's been a head coach, that's fine. Like he hasn't been a good head coach. I, I have, I have no issue with that. How about giving a guy like Bubba Ventron a shot? Who's been a special teams coordinator for years, right? Like we saw this with the Raiders last year when Gruden was essentially, I mean, he, he ultimately resigned in disgrace, but he you know, fired, forced out the door. They brought in Rich Bisaccia, who was a special teams coordinator, who nobody ever thought, like, oh, Rich Bisaccia is going to be a really hot name in the market and be a head coach. He did a great job. How much, look, how how much privately right now do you think the Raiders would like to have Rich Bisaccia right now being the head coach of that team? Okay. I'm going to go ahead and bet they'd have a better record than they have right now. Also, also, speaking of the Raiders, Mark Davis must be curious that Jim Irsey beat him to the punch to make the most ridiculous hire imaginable, right? Like you know, right now Davis has got the whiteboard out and he's just writing like, "All right, who could we? Could it be like? Who do we have? Who who's an alumnus who we could bring in here? Who could, like? Can could we can we get can we get Jerry Porter to be the head coach of the team? Like who do we? Have? And then he's got to think about it. Like nobody's been good for twenty years on the Raiders, so he's like, "All right, maybe Namdi Asawa Like we got him. Like maybe we bring Michael Huff in." You know, I like just, just you name it. There's just anybody, you know, do we go back to the nineties or we go, you know, are we like, what about Jeff Hostetler? What, what's he doing? We bring him in. So I, the Raiders have to just be irate. And, and the best part of this, the, the first game Saturday is going to coach is against the Raiders on Sunday. Like the, the amount of hilarity that could come out of this game is an all time level, right? Like, I mean, anything's possible. The, the Raiders could beat them by 50, and then you're like, ha, ha this, the Colts, ridiculous. Or somehow, like, Saturday wins this game. <laughs> and, and, like, it, it is against the coach that, that quit on them before he even became the head coach. Like, it, it's awesome. Like, I I can't wait to sit down and watch what a beautiful train wreck
0: that's going to be one way or the other. Well, that happens. I do think Davis might hire Darius hayward Bay. Really get into it, just just really go all in when it comes to the most random hire possible. Get James Hayward back, yeah, he's, Robert he's Gallery, fast. everybody. <laughs> everybody. <laughs> all right, <laughs> let, let's look into the future. Number one, at five and four, will the Cincinnati Bengals make the playoffs? I, I am compelled to say yes
1: because I believe in the coach and the quarterback, and I think they're a really talented team. Their schedule is really hard, really hard. Ravens, Titans, Chiefs, Bills at Tampa for whatever you think that game is. That's hard. Like that. That's a, so. Those are five games. That, like none of those are easy. Okay. Chiefs and Bills are at home. But it's the Chiefs and the Bills. Titans are on the road. Ravens at home. Bucks on the road. I mean, if if they went two and three in that stretch, like you're not getting above ten wins. Now maybe they're better than that. Maybe they go three and two, something like that. But I'm just saying, if they were to go two and three. And they also play the Browns again, who kill them every time they play them, and, they, and Deshaun Watson will be in that game. So this is not an easy schedule here for Cincinnati. I say yes because they hold the breaker on the Jets. That's a huge thing. They they also, by the way, play against New England in Foxborough, which is a, a huge game, which I think they will win, so they would hold the breaker there. I will say yes, but there's a real chance they don't get in.
0: Yeah, I lean towards yes. They're the most inconsistent team probably in the NFL. We've seen the highest highs, the lowest lows. Uh, eventually, Jamar Chase is coming back this season, and that offense looks typically different with him in it. I, I was a, someone who was not bought in to the Bengals and what they did last year, continuing to, to build off that, right? I think they had their chance. This is a good team, but not a great team. But I think they're good enough to make the playoffs. They're dangerous because the offense is so good. That offensive line is, is still a, a massive question mark. But when it comes to what they can do, they, they're one of the few teams that could go, you know, blow for blow offensively with the Bills, with the Chiefs, with any other team in the NFL. The and that makes that makes the Dolphins, and that makes them dangerous. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, let's go to the second into the future, more likely to win a playoff game, the Vikings or the Niners.
1: So the Vikings are going to win the division and be at home. The Niners may win the division. They may not. They're getting game half back in Seattle. Uh, I think the 49ers are. Like, I know this is a very odd thing to say about a team 7-1. and one. I don't know if the Vikings are good. Like, I mean, the Vikings have all these really, really, really bad defensive numbers. But they just keep finding a way. Uh. I worry about the Vikings in a playoff game. They might even play the Niners, like depending on how everything shakes out. I think the Niners are built for the playoffs. Like how I started the show by saying the Ravens, I think, are a great regular season team, but in the playoffs just scare the shit out of me. The Niners, I think, are a good regular season team, but they're great in the playoffs because they, they can play all kinds of situational football. They've got stars all over the place. They Defensively, they're really good. Like, they're the kind of team you want no part of in the playoff game. That team is just built for January to win games like that. I think – I think. and by the way, Minnesota could absolutely win a playoff game or two, but I would take the Niners, who I think are the more talented team, I think even though the record doesn't show it, I think they're ultimately the better team.
0: Yeah, I, I want to say both. I feel like both win a game in the playoffs, but I'm going to lean Minnesota. Okay. I, wild to say this. I'm starting to trust Kirk Cousins. And I can't wait for him to throw four interceptions next game. Yeah, yeah. There's something about that team. They're rallying around Kirk Cousins. Everyone on that team feels like they are the best team in the NFC. Like, everyone on that team, if if you're watching them from from afar, that's a lot of camaraderie going on right there. Say what you will about it. They're all bought in. They they think that this is their season. And what is a wide open, for the most part, NFC, the – the Rams, not good. The Bucks not good. Fair. The Packers, not good. The Niners, we've seen them play well at, at times, but it's Jimmy G. They tried getting rid of him Fair. this year. Like, I know everyone's like, well, he has playoff experience. He's been to his Super Bowl, and the Niners still said, kick rocks, pal. Like, that has to account for something. The Vikings, I just feel like they have a lot going for him right now.
1: I will say, to your point, to, to bolster your case I was texting with um, a, a, a NFL source I'm trying to think if I can say more than that uh, I was texting with somebody who has been in the league for at least three decades and asked about the commanders potentially being up for sale here with Dan Schneider because I wrote my column about it on Monday and I just said you know what are your thoughts essentially you know what what are your what are your uh, what are your thoughts on if he sells the team? And he's like, I think it's like Lucy with the football, right? I don't think he's actually going to sell the team, but if he does, it's the biggest culture upgrade in the league since Mike Zimmer was booted out of Minnesota. And I was like, eh, Mike Zimmer caught a pretty wicked stray that had nothing to do with it. Like I knew we were talking about the Vikings. So, um, and 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 this person is pretty connected with Minnesota. So I was like, okay, so Kevin O'Connell, kudos to him. Uh, as Kyle actually says in the chat here, like, I was like, all right. And I think, you know, you saw like that, you know, that that meme going around now with like Cousins in the plane with his shirt off, which led, which led to the unfortunate incident of Adam Schefter with his shirt off during Monday Night Football. Um, it, was, it was, listen, nothing against Adam. Man, it's not in like terrible shape or anything, but just didn't, didn't expect to see him shirtless at the supernome last night. <laughs> um, but yes, I think that's... Yeah, that's I think where they are. I think Kevin O'Connell's given them some new life and a new attitude, and and it's working for them. So kudos to them.
0: Well, let's get into the future. Number three, who is the MVP right now?
1: Most of the year, I don't want to say all because I can't remember. Like, yeah, I, I'm not like I'm not all about like week one MVP. I I just can't hear <laughs> that. Okay, most of the year, if not all of it, I've had Josh Allen as MVP of the league. I think he's been the most dominant. I think he's been overwhelming at times. Um, that choice for me changed Sunday, watching the games. Because, Allen. I gave him a pass against the Packers. Like, you're winning by a bunch in the second half. You throw a couple picks. You're a little bored, maybe. All right. You play the Jets in a game that's pretty nip and tuck, and you throw two killer interceptions. In the last two games, he has four picks, and he's fumbled twice. Like, this is now – Um. This is now becoming a, a, a problem. He, The only quarterback who has thrown more interceptions this year than, than Josh Allen is Matt Ryan. I mean, that that's, that matters. That's a real problem. My vote right now after Sunday night would be Mahomes. Mahomes, it's a weird thing. It's a really weird thing to say, considering the guy had 509 total yards on Sunday night. I don't even think he played that well for the duration of the game by his standards. But every time they needed a play out of him, he made a play. And, and a lot of times out of thin air. Like third and 17, I'm running for it. Third and nine, I'm going to i I'm gonna juke Jeffrey Simmons out of his cleats and, and put it in the end zone. Two-point conversion we've got to have, not a problem. Third down in, the, in overtime, I'm going to run out to the right, Stop, backpedal, and then just wing a ball thirty yards down the field to Noah Gray. Like he's got more touchdown passes and more passing yards than anybody else in football. Mm-hmm. He's right at the top of yards per attempt, right, right top. I think he's top five. QBR, I believe he's second. I mean, and and by the way, for rushing yards for a quarterback, he's eighth. It's not like he's like only running occasionally. To me, he's the MVP of the league. Everybody thought when they lost Tyreek Hill, oh, this is going to look really different this year. This is going to be weird. He's on pace for fifty five hundred passing yards. He might set the record. Like I, he, he to me right now is the MVP of the league.
0: I think Josh Allen's third. Hurts, Jalen Hurts. Fair enough. You, you, Fair you enough. mentioned I, I might even be agree with you there. I might be with you there. You, you mentioned yards per attempt, right? Mahomes seven point nine. Guess who's above him? Hurts eight point five. Yep. And if we're gonna talk about completion percentage, Mahomes sixty six, Jalen yep. Hurts sixty eight. And yep. I get it; he's not throwing the ball as as much as Mahomes is. But what he's doing with his legs as well By is Miami. just out yep. three hundred and twenty six yards on the ground. Uh, I think it was six touchdowns rushing. Um, if you to look at the the passing numbers, it, they don't jump off the you know the screen right. But he has over two thousand yards passing. He has twelve touchdowns, two interceptions. He's taking care of the ball. They've not lost. I want to go with Mahomes, especially after Sunday. What he did, he put the team on his back. Jalen Hurts has put the team on his back. I, I came into the year saying Jalen Hurts is going to be the guy that holds the Eagles for making a deep playoff run. I was wrong. Jalen Hurts looks like an MVP. The arm is better than I expected. The legs are as good as expected. He's keeping the ball out of harm's way. AJ Brown, say what you will. I mean, if you want to say AJ Brown, you know where, where's the AJ Brown for for the Chiefs and Mahomes? You'd probably oh, say Kelsey. Travis Kelsey, right? Yeah. But like, yeah. Jalen Hurts now has weapons and he's using them. He's trusting them. I feel like I have to go with Jalen Hurts at least until the Eagles lose a
1: game. That's fair. That's totally fair. Perfectly. Oh, well, I mean, they'd by some miracle go seventeen you know, he's MVP. Okay, but I mean, I. Right now, to me, Mahomes is the most irrepressible player in the sport. Like, yeah. Just over and all. like, if you're a Titans player, coach, you have to be watching him, going, "Son of a pitch, it's just <laughs> tackle it. like anything." It watching him run on that third and seventeen. It's it's funny because it's not Lamar running, right? It's yeah. not it's not Jalen Hurts, it's not Kyler Murray. Like, Mahomes runs in a way that you never. You never think he's going to get there by the optics of it, but if you're a Chiefs fan and you've watched him your your whole life or you know his his whole career, if you've watched you know he's going to get it because he just always gets it. Like when he took off, at the initial reaction was, "All right, they're going to punt," and then he got about halfway there, and I was like, "He's going to get it!" Like you can just see the angles, like he's going to pick. And then I swear to God. If McKinnon had just gotten a block on that guy around the corner, he might have gotten the distance. Like, I don't know that anybody would have caught. It would have been one of the greatest runs of all time. Like, so, I don't know what it is that when he sees the Titans, he turns into Gail Sayers. But it is uh, – listen, it, it was it was an impressive performance. He's single-handedly the reason, at least offensively, they won the game. Their defense was great in the second half. But, yes, right now, to me, he is, he is the MVP of the league. Uh, he
0: has been – Incredible. He, he, he runs like, if you ever play basketball for like two hours, and you're you're hopping out of the gym, and you kind of have that little waddle going, that's yeah, what he runs like. Yeah, You're kind of cramping, and he still gets past these dudes. Mahomes is incredible. If he wins MVP, I will have no reservations. Again, it comes down to, and people like to, to say, you know, Jalen Hurts, who have the Eagles played? I'll hear it, but their playing is on their schedule. They can't help that. They're winning. You know, I will never knock a team for winning in the NFL. Uh, the Chiefs lost to the Colts. You can lose any given Sunday. It happens. Uh, I think they're neck and neck, though. I truly think it's a neck and neck situation. Both find ways to win in different situations. Uh, With Mahomes, though, we have at least seen a game where he puts the team on his back to win the game. Have we seen that with Jalen Hurts yet?
1: No. No. Because I got to be fair, I think the Eagles roster is all around better than the Chiefs roster. They're a much better defensive team. And yet, if they played each other, I would pick Kansas City to win the game. Same. Because, for one reason, like it, after what happened in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, if they get back to the Super Bowl with him, I, I don't care who they're playing. I, I just think it's going to be one of those games, as the late great Therese Peller would say, is it an over my dead body? Like, where they just, it's like, I don't care. Just give me the ball. And that might be the first time nobody, like the Chiefs, just don't run the ball once in an entire football game. <laughs> like, he's just audibalizing out of every run they have. Like, I don't care. We're throwing it ninety times, and I gotta tell you, if you're the opposing coach, wouldn't you be like shit? Like, like would you be like, oh my god, please run it? Like, you know, I've actually I've thought about that before. Is there ever going to be a game with him where he's just like, I don't care, I'm done, I'm done watching us run, dives into the line of scrimmage, I'm done with this. Like, we're just, I'm not going down.
2: We saw
0: it. Off. We saw it this Sunday. I, Towards the game, at the end of the game, he goes, "We're not running. If we are running, it's with me." I am he, the one running the ball.
1: <laughs> in a weird way, we got Ben Heisler coming up here in a second. In a weird way, I had a weird tinge of hope when you might not—I don't even remember this play. It was like the last drive before they went down and tied the game, and it was third down or whatever. And he just launched the ball to Sky Moore into double coverage. But like, he over—he had a look at his face. Was like, "Fuck this!" Like I—and the next drive they came out, and he was just like, "I'm—I'm I'm running for half the yardage. I'm to the point." <laughs> I'm so sick and tired of us not getting open. Like, I am just going to put everything on me and I don't care what it takes. And I'm just gonna will us down the field. When he threw that ball, there's a part of me that was like, Oh God, he's so frustrated. Then there's another part of me that's like, oh, he's really frustrated. Like this is now just gonna be him being like, I'm done with this. I'm done. Andy can take the headset off. We can just, we can leave the running backs <laughs> in the locker room. It's fine. I I've had enough. All right. Let's bring in Heisler. Let's bring him in, betside editor, of course, managing editor, uh, at Benny Heis on Twitter, sir. How are you doing on this uh, lovely Tuesday?
3: Uh, it's a lovely Tuesday, think- lovely day to uh, to get things going. Good to be on with you guys. Had another nice week on the show. We went two and one against the spread, um, two one and one, I should say, against the spread on our first push of the season. Uh, thanks, Rams. Uh, for doing a great job protecting that lead late in the game against Tom Brady. Just sometimes the yeah. the narratives write themselves and uh, the Rams are, are finding a way to to write a strange new narrative uh, in a season that is continuing to unfold very, very quickly for them.
1: The, the second the Cooper Cup probably could have gotten the first down and then slid just to stay in bounds on that second down play right before the end of the game, I, ha- I had a, a deep premonition that Brady was <laughs> going to get the ball back, come down the field. Like It's just the Rams stink, but we've we've covered that already. Um, Ad <laughs> nauseam. But yes, they, they caused us to push. Very selfish of them.
3: Uh, but two, we do, as you said, two one oh, one. Another good week. Yeah, we'll we'll take it. This is a, an interesting week ten as well. There's obviously a very intriguing matchup between two very quality teams, and it's starting to get a little murky between Minnesota and Buffalo. We'll see whether or not Tampa is actually making a legitimate turnaround. Uh, they're in Munich this week against Seattle. The Chicago damn Bears, my Chicago Bears over the last three weeks have the best scoring percentage on drives over the last three weeks in the NFL. Overs and Bears games have gone 3-0 and in the last three weeks. Their team totals are 3-0. and Like, I-, I do not want to wake up from this dream, fellas. Um, <laughs> I I know that they've been losing these games. I don't care. Like... I. I I was thinking about, like, I've laid in my bed late at night for 30-plus years, like, wondering when when it's going to be my team's turn to have a quarterback that can do what your guys' quarterback is able to do. And I've I've been there. Yeah. Like, it's a very lonely feeling. And when you finally think you have something, oh. Like, again, this year doesn't matter with the exception of whether or not they determine whether or not he's the quarterback of the future. Yes, they've determined that, and you're already starting to see Vegas start to get a sense of that as well, which which we'll go over in a little bit.
1: I agree with you. I agree with you. I think I'm I'm happy for you and and your brethren who are uh, who are finally not not suffering through watching just absolute crap at the quarterback position. So it.
3: It's impossible. I heard Sid a... from the 1950s being your yeah you know, the guy that everybody refers to as is the best quarterback in your organization. Oh, uh, Jay Cutler, come on, baby. Yeah. Jay
0: Cutler smoking a cigarette. Come on.
3: Well, I, my, maybe you're maybe iconic, but not the best.
0: Sid Luckman,
1: like mostly by the way, in the in the 30s and 40s. Like I mean, he and, and yet Sid Luckman. Go do your history lesson, kids. Go, he, he, was, he was a great player. He was awesome. But that's inherent here or there. But, yes, when you haven't eclipsed him in, in 70 years, it's a problem.
3: What do we have for bets this week? What are we looking at? So do we want to go with the, the games that we find the most unique or interesting to wager on, or do we want to just go right into our best bets for the week? No, let's go to the unique ones first. Let's just do what we normally do. Okay. All right. So a couple of these will overlap, but I, I think the, the most intriguing one on the board for sure is, um, is Minnesota on the road against Buffalo. And now with the the health status of Josh Allen, very much up in, in the air, Vegas has already reacted substantially to this. This was seven and a half uh, when it first opened on Sunday afternoon, it is now down to six at several sports books, depending on, on where you look, you can probably find it at six and a half. Um, I I, I jumped on this one early as part of a teaser um, with Buffalo, but, you know, I I, I still have some concerns here, even though I'm basically getting them at one and a half. Not having Josh Allen and, and I guess, moving to Case Keenum is, is sort of the real question here. Like, how many points is Josh Allen on the field worth relative to Case Keenum in a terrific offense with a defense that is still very good, but just... They, they kind of let things down last week against it. The, they should have smoked the Jets purely from getting pressure on Zach Wilson. They didn't do it. Wilson didn't turn the ball over. At some point you have to start wondering whether or not Buffalo in these spots where they should be destroying you. They tend to let teams kind of hang around. The chiefs kind of done that this year as well. Uh, let's start with the quarterback spot. Like if we're looking at it from a, a point perspective, it's moved about a point and a half from where it was with Allen down to Keenum. Right. Do you think that's too many points? Do you think that's not enough points? I oh, I think dude. this goes down probably as much as, as maybe five, four and a half. And, and that's even with the public not wanting to bet on Kirk Cousins.
1: Ben, if, if they don't have Josh Allen, they should be an underdog in the game. Correct. Really? Yes. Oh, even yes. at home? Yes. I don't care where they're playing this game. I mean, they – I would argue that along with Baltimore – Nobody relies more on their quarterback to do everything. That team won't function offensively if he's not on the field. Yeah, they they can't run the ball. He is he is their only ability to run the football. They have they have no ability to throw. Like Case Keenum is going to throw the ball in this game against Minnesota. Like I, I mean, I understand Minnesota's defense isn't great. I get it, but Case Keenum, man, woof! Like I, I would Minnesota should be a favorite in this game, mm-hmm. if if Josh Allen's not there. And defensively, the Bills are good. That's fine. The Bills are beat up to all hell in the secondary. Yeah, they are. And they're playing against a team that can throw the ball. One thing about Minnesota, they have weapons all over the field. And by the way, the last two weeks, the Bills are getting killed on the ground. Mm. Well, they have Dalvin Cook there. Like, the Bills are going to give up some points in this game. And if, if they do – now, I think if Allen's there, they can just outscore Minnesota. But I I do not see a
0: game where if Case Keenum plays, that Minnesota shouldn't be favored. That's just my two cents. 100% agree. If it's Case Keenum, Minnesota money line easy. If Josh Allen plays, even if it's six, I, I still think I like the Vikings. I, I, I'm buying in to the Vikings Kool-Aid right now. I understand. It's, it's kind of been my MO the past, I don't know, four weeks. But yeah. I, I'm fully bought in. Wait, what time's the game?
3: It's so a noon. It's a noon central one o'clock. Oh Eastern yeah, Kirk Buffalo. Cousins
0: going off. Yeah. It's not prime time. Lights not <laughs> too <laughs> bright. Yeah, yeah. Come on now, taking the Vikings money line.
3: <laughs> all right. So all very legitimate points. I I still would give Buffalo a slight edge, even with some of their issues that they're having on defense, because I I don't think Minnesota's defensive issues have gone away. And again, remember this is still a team that was down for a while to Washington and gave up some pretty ridiculous drives to Taylor Heineke in the process. I, you know, I, I tend not to overreact to a lot of the big line movement. I, I think if anything, depending on how far down this goes, there's an opportunity for value here with Buffalo. But based on what the two of you guys are saying, if you're on the Minnesota side, yeah, I would I would put in this bet now. Like right now before the line starts to move. Six and a half, that's a good number to be on it if you feel like that's a team that's, deserved, that's deserving to be a favorite on the road fascinating game. We've also seen the total move quite a bit uh, in this matchup as well. I am on it at under 48 and a half. I think it was at 49 and a half when it first opened. Again, I'm assuming that Keenum is likely going to be playing. Uh, and now that number has moved all the way down to um, 46 and 45 and a half. So we're able to get it on the better number there. I know that you mentioned that uh, with, with Keenum, that, that's not gonna be an that's gonna be a concern for them. So that's that's obviously the top game. Again, we'll monitor the status of Josh Allen throughout. Sure. Next is the Munich game. Tampa Bay with their win. Again, still plenty of issues, but now it's a more compelling matchup. Seattle's good. Seattle's continuing to find impressive ways, and they're hitting on their draft picks and their defense since the first four weeks of the season. Um has been, I don't want to call them elite. Um, but, but they're ranking top 10, especially in their ability to, uh, slow teams down in the passing game. They're, I, I mentioned like, it's remarkable to see an entire draft class hitting as early and as often as what Seattle's has done this year. Um, you know, Walker has been down and out the last couple of weeks, but I'm not concerned about him. How do you evaluate this matchup? Because I look at it and say to myself, okay, Seattle continues to be underdog. They continue to win as underdogs. I took them last week as a dog at Arizona that ended up working out, but we've seen this line move from Tampa to minus one to minus two and a half. So the sharps are all over Tampa Bay as if they're about to rebound for that. The, the second half of the season. My, my question to you guys is whether or not you're buying Vegas's thoughts here, that Tampa is actually back and ready to, to go ahead and, and be the more rational favorite here.
1: I, is Tampa back? Like, I listen. I'm I'm an idiot, and so I'll take you. And it comes, uh, I'll take your your thoughts with gambling here. Uh, but I watched every snap of that Bucks Rams game. I am now in court ordered therapy based off of watching that game. Tampa Bay is awful. Like, the only reason they won that game is the Rams are just brutal and couldn't be bothered to do anything offensively the entire night. I'll roll with it because I, I, I'm confident in you, Heis. I, I think the Seahawks are going to beat them. Like I, the Seahawks are good. The Seahawks are playing well defensively. They're scoring a bunch of points. Tampa Bay is a wreck. Now, listen, there's going to Germany. Does that just kind of level the playing field because it's just such a weird thing and it's a huge travel? I, mean, I, I don't know. Maybe it does. But – I meant Tampa's bad. Tampa's really legitimately bad. Um,
0: I think Seattle's going to straight up beat them. I think Seattle's going to win by a touchdown, truthfully. I I agree. I mean, first off, Mike Evans has the yips, it looks like. Is he eating buttered popcorn before each game? Ever since the golf lesson situation came out, dude can't catch (laughs) the ball. Uh, Scotty Miller also had a touchdown in the end zone. He actually had a a very nice game for the most part. Hit him right in the dome, right in the face mess, almost got stuck in there. Uh, Like, they can't catch the ball. T.K. Metcalf, somehow, I have no idea. We thought he, like, tore his ACL, gets carted off the field. He's like, no, guys, I'm back next game, and I'm catching touchdowns. So he's been incredible. You know, Tyler Lockett has had a very nice season. I'm going with the Seahawks. We thought they had a horrible roster, mostly based on Geno Smith, right? Gino looks legitimately solid. He's played better this year than Tom Brady. I know the name Tom Brady still gets you hyped up. Gino's been better than Tom Brady by a
3: fairly wide margin this season. It's, it's one of those games where I think so many of us look at the matchup and say, Seattle deserves to be the favorite here. Right. And then you have to answer the question, well, why aren't they? What do the books know? What do the sharps know that we don't? They clearly know sure. something because this line has, sh- has shot up a point and a half almost in- within a day. So that was part of the reason when I, I saw it open up Tampa Bay at minus one. I-, I think they anticipated a move. And then maybe if it gets up a little bit higher, they know that the public is going to come in on Seattle. Seattle's delivered for them all, all year long. The public likes to go with teams that have been consistent for them. It's part of the reason that they, they sure. bet on the Cowboys and Packers more than ever before when those are two of the top um, you know, public teams that people bet on last year. It delivered. So I, I don't see the public moving away from Seattle at this point. And maybe that's where I think they're going to get some of that money back. But early returns right now are saying get on Tampa Bay before this number moves to three. I get your guys' perspective of Seattle is the better team, and they've been more consistent really throughout the entire year, especially with the defense starting to, to make some strong returns. But maybe there's an argument that Seattle is kind of – maybe this is your sell-high point for a team that, that still is lacking in the talent department, you know, even though their guys have been playing well.
1: So two things. One, to uh, to Sterling's point, Scotty Miller. I thought Brady was actually going to commit murder right on the field when, when Miller dropped that ball, and, and he would I don't think there's a jury in the world that would have convicted him. Secondly, uh, Ben, to your point about you know the sharps must know something we don't. Obviously, they they mostly do, but they've been wrong with the Seahawks team at times. Like last week, no doubt. Last week, we sat here and I was like, why in God's name are they an underdog to the Cardinals? The Cardinals suck. Well, they went out and they baptized Arizona for the second time in a month. Like I, I think there's this this belief that Geno Smith just can't continue to do this. Well, he's doing it. He's he's good on deep throws. He's good. Doug Farrar, uh, of USA today tweeted this out. He's good on deep throws. He's good on boundary throws. Like he's he's good on throws you know, beyond the sticks. He's good. Like, I know it's crazy. He's been terrible his whole career. He's good now. Like I, and I think at some point. You just have to sit there and say – I'm to the point now because we're past the halfway demarcation line, right? Like, we're into Week 10. Tampa, the Packers, the Rams, they stink. Like, I don't need to see any more of these teams. They stink. They're not good. Seattle's good. Maybe it doesn't make sense in, like, a historical perspective based off of what we've seen. Yeah. Seattle's a good football team. So, I, I think Seattle's getting a little bit of a short end of the stick here.
3: All right, you can get them right now plus two and a half if you think the numbers are going to continue to move, I would say wait on Seattle um, as the week gets closer in maybe that's when you start to see a little bit more of the public backing the Seahawks. Maybe that line starts to move a little bit more but I based on the early movement this wouldn't surprise me if this game goes to three and then if you're a Seattle better, that's the the line to pounce on. So uh, it sounds like you guys are on the Seattle side. I get it I I, I think I like Tampa much more when it I got the line of one.
0: Yeah, yeah, seriously, Ben. We why do we listen to us, Verduram? We're always wrong.
3: It was stupid. I, not, listen. I. You say I'm it. also talking. You guys could also. We we could both theoretically win if you take Seattle and the number goes to three, and I got Tampa Bay at minus one. If if the Bucks win by two, both of us, oh, okay. both of us win.
1: Yeah, and a very power right tonight. <laughs> but uh, I
3: mean, yeah. this is a lot more likely to happen than the Powerball. Can you
1: see me <laughs> on these gambling things? It's not more likely.
3: Okay, fair okay. enough. Final one on the board that I, I think is is noteworthy, even though if we're on the subject of bad teams, and it, it's interesting because two of these games feature bad teams this year. Dallas Cowboys on the road against the Green Bay Packers, uh, the battle of, of public teams in the NFL. Uh, two of the best teams against the spread a season ago. I was looking it up to try and see how good home teams have been um, straight up for, for an article I'm writing uh, a little bit later on this week. The best team over the last three years at home by far and away has been the Green Bay Packers. The problem is that the Packers are a disaster right now. And I, I, I put something out on Twitter about Aaron Rodgers basically calling out his entire team from a few weeks ago, saying guys need to get their their first team reps cut if they continue to make mistakes on the field get other guys more reps, and he also threw three interceptions. Two of them went off of of players' helmets. Aaron Rodgers, I don't know whether or not he looks like the MVP again if Devontae Adams is still there. I don't know if both of these guys are regretting their decisions at this point, but man, it's bad right now in Green Bay, and they're also hurt. So this number has climbed for Dallas. I think it was at 4.5. It's now at 5.5 on the road. Green Bay is always a difficult place for road teams to play, but I, I'm not sure where to go with this game, to be perfectly honest. Rashawn Gary got hurt in the matchup last week. I, I don't know if I can take a side just because Dallas will have those moments where they'll let teams hang around, but I don't know how you take the Packers here. Even as a as a long home dog where they've been historically great, this just isn't the same Packers team.
1: Yeah, I, I know i don't hate to take the Packers. You're a Packers fan, and you drink heavily. Uh, I, like, I, there's, there's no way I would take the Packers in this game. Dallas is great defensively, off a of bye. It's not that cold yet in Green Bay. It's not like you're getting away these weather games where it's you know, five degrees out and snowing sideways. The Cowboys should pound on the Packers. Again, I think sometimes like we need to forget what we've known in the past to, to realize what we're looking at now. They're not good. Like, the Packers are just not a good football team. Like, you're going to tell me Dallas would win this game by a touchdown? You know, 10 points? I I don't always love Dallas because I agree with you, Ben. Like, there are times with them where you're like, what is happening? Why are they leaving this team in the game? I do not think this is going to be one of those games. I think the, I think the, the Packers are just cooked. I, I think the, the Cowboys are going to win this game by, you know, 10
0: points or so. So, I'm with you for the most part. Dallas, they're the better team. But it feels like a game where it's 21-17. Just an ugly game. The Cowboys have played a lot of ugly games. Dak Prescott, him being back, has been a massive boost for that offense. But if Ezekiel Elliott is going to get some snaps, to me that lowers the actual offense of the Cowboys. They're better with Tony Pollard as, as the guy. If Zeke's back and he's playing, I almost think that's the Cowboys' favor. Like, that helps the Cowboys. That means you're getting some two-yard runs up the gut. That means you're not using Tony Pollard and his explosiveness on the outside. You know, I probably wouldn't touch this game. This is a game that I just, I just don't feel comfortable with. But I might take the,
3: the, the Packers at five and a half. That's a lot of points at home. It is a lot of points. And a lot of books have already moved it once it got to five and a half down to five. But I also see a scenario where the public comes in very heavy on the Cowboys and, and bets this up to six. And and the, the books are basically begging for the Packers to win because if you get up to six, all of a sudden now you use the Cowboys in a teaser, move them down to just to pick'em. And and I could see a scenario, and I, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago in Buffalo, that either the Packers find a way somehow to win that game, or they just get blown out and end up being really none of the above. But narrative street, all of a sudden Jones gets going again. Dylan had a solid game. Granted, it was against Detroit. It's a weird game. Very, very weird game. I, I have not placed a bet on either the total, which is currently sitting at either 43 or 42 and a half, or on the spread, but, but certainly a compelling matchup, even with Green Bay looking as bad as, as they've looked so far. So those are, I think, the, the three biggest games of the week. I have four bets that I have already placed for the week. Are you curious to hear what they are?
1: Yes, far away. Okay. A
3: few of them we've already gone over. Um, I took Tampa Bay. When they were at minus one against Seattle. I know you guys are on the Seattle side, but um, if, if you get them at three, uh, we can go ahead and, and win this one together. So Tampa Bay minus one against Seattle. Uh, again, I, I don't know if I would bet it at minus two and a half. I, I think where I got the line is the right side. Um, Minnesota at Buffalo. I like the under. I got it at 48 and a half. Again, that number is also moved to 46, but depending on the status of Josh Allen, I, I think he's not playing. So, if you can find it at 47, that's an even better number. But 46.5, I would still take the under if Keenum is in, instead of Josh Allen. We all in agreement on that?
1: Yeah, I can yeah. Uh, I, I, I can get behind that. It's fair okay.
3: enough. Uh, I have two bets on the Bears and the Lions. I have the Bears on the money line this week at home. Oh, you, you're all in. <laughs> all right, I like it. Bears money line at home um, I don't love them as much as, as three-point favorites um, I, I got a minus one 125 when they were at one and a half uh, but I just preferred them on the money line because it's still the Bears and that's still a bad defense that Chicago's throwing out there right now. also love love the over at 46 and a half I think that number has also moved as well uh, that might have been one of the biggest movers of the week uh, jumping on Chicago and Detroit's over between two atrocious defenses now, One thing to keep in mind, if the weather is bad at Soldier Field, keep an eye on those forecasts because you might be able to get a better number when everybody freaks out about it. If there's rain, if there's snow, some wind, I don't think it'll matter much because both these teams love to run. So you might be able to get a better number on the over depending on what the weather forecast looks like. So something to keep in mind. But everyone seems to be very much on play with the over between these two teams, as I mentioned, the Bears three and zero and overs over their last three weeks, three and zero on their team total. I don't think the Lions are going to be the team to to slow them down, even though they did it to Green Bay last week. Are we in agreement there?
1: Yeah, it's fine. Uh, I I would even take the Bears against the spread, but that's uh, that's fine.
0: Yeah, I'm rolling, dude. Ben, this is for you, man. We're a green. Yeah.
3: Let's go Bears. Love it. You love you love to see it. You really do. Final one. And again, this one is more playing the number, I think, than playing the team. Uh, the Monday night game, Washington, plus 10 and a half on the road against Philadelphia. Eagles have been great, like until that game against Houston. And even then, for a team that had been terrible in the second half, despite their undefeated record, they pulled through and they got the win and they were able to make it really close to the cover, but ultimately didn't end up covering. Washington, for for their flaws, and they have plenty, I, I think look like a competent football team right now. Wouldn't you guys agree? Heineke is getting the ball out quickly. He has very good receivers to throw to. The defense has played significantly better since the Bears game from a handful of weeks ago. Eagles are good, but in a division game in prime time, 10 and a half, I, I think that's too many points. I think Washington can at least make it a, a one possession game by the time things are said and done.
1: I have concerns about this. I uh, I have learned to trust you, but I thought we we're going to go another primetime game because I think the Niners are going to absolutely pummel the Chargers. But that that's they should, happen.
3: they should. I don't know if they will, but they should.
1: Yeah, but I I'll listen. I mean, it's it's uh, it's worth riding with you on this because you you have done a great job this year. But I have I have deep concerns about Washington in this year. I can I get picture like, oh, it's halftime. It's twenty seven to six. Uh, but, you know, who knows? You, you could be right. You could be right in the hang-in there. Washington's a weird team.
0: I'm learning from you, Ben. Bet the number, not the team. I'm with you with, with, with the number. Ten and a half. I, I I am with you. And I'm one of the biggest Eagles. I'm the biggest Eagles guy on the show, hands down, right? That's too, too large of a number in primetime, divisional game. They're getting Curtis Samuel involved, Terry McLaurin. The Eagles are an amazing team. I do think they're a top three team in the NFL. But bet the number. I'm with you, Ben. You've taught me well. When when do
3: you guys think the Eagles lose their first game?
0: Ah,
3: uh, like no I don't. None of us. None of us are expecting an undefeated regular season from them. Are they? Are we? No, I'm not. No. no. I think they I think drop. They will, a couple. I, think I think they, they lose.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there. I think they lose to the Cowboys on on the road. Uh they'll lose some game they shouldn't you know and then and then maybe there's like you know, maybe they split with the giants or something you know so i think they'll win 14 15 games
3: okay washington i will not be the place where they lose it but i i don't necessarily think uh it's going to be by by more than 10 and a half points fair enough i, I think we're going i think we're getting the right number here boys i really do
1: all right we're going to ride with you you know i i got to believe in you i got faith
3: all right. Uh, well, we'll see how much faith you have if we end up going 0-4 this week. But regardless, Yeah, everyone everyone can have a bad week or two. All
1: right. What is uh, going on that people need to know about over at BetSided?
3: Yeah. Uh, big day today in the NHL with no NBA action going on. Also got some action in college football. So if you're looking for uh, something to bet on today, we got previews for all three Maction games as well as our best bets for the NHL slate from our guy Ian McMillan. Uh, Reed Wallach has the day, has the early read, which is live right now over on Betside's YouTube channel, so make sure you guys check that out. Uh, good college football slate again this week. We'll also find out the college football playoff results tonight uh, if you're looking for some more angles there. And, of course, get ready for, for Week 10. College football Week 11, plenty of game previews, props, predictions, anytime touchdown bets, whatever you need to, to make sure that your betting card looks good to go. Uh, and I will be on uh, Daily Bet Slip a little bit later on this week as well, five o'clock Eastern, uh, right here on the bet on the Betside of YouTube channel.
1: Awesome! I love how the the two sports leagues take different approaches. Like the NBA is like, listen, not going to play tonight. Got to get out there and vote. And the NHL is like, fuck that. Watch the games tonight. We got to play games. We got to get out there.
2: You know well, they're, I mean? they're like,
3: we need. If you're giving us a, a standalone island right, night, right with with the Mac. Thank yeah. you for this gift, NBA. Like we will take our, uh, we'll take our opportunity for to defend democracy at you know, another time.
1: And then there's also the flip side of this, where the NHL does not play on Christmas Eve or on Christmas, and the NBA is like nobody's celebrating this with their family. Nobody, you're gonna watch a, 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 a septuple header on ESPN. Hey, don't go anywhere. Jazz Blazers six o'clock. Like it. <laughs> It cracks me up to no end. Like the NBA's got all these like no 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 games on a voting day. But hey hey Christmas, fuck the kids opening gifts because it's an <laughs> early game. Knicks Sixers, and it's like and by the way it's like thanks NBA thanks as a Knicks fan thanks for ruining Christmas for me. just sit there <laughs> and watch this shit, watch them lose by 15 points. Nothing says Christmas tradition in New York like the Knicks getting booed off the court at the Garden. <laughs> okay, There's a bunch of angry people had to show up on Christmas. Good time. All I right. can't argue that. that that's right. that, that's relatively sold. That's well uh, done. I've had enough. All right. Uh, Heisler, uh, thank you, man, for being here once again. And uh, we'll All see what right, we
3: do uh, with the week 10 picks. Yes. And, uh, Vernon I will talk to you on Thursday for the Arrowhead Attic Batting Show, 11 o'clock central. So if you guys come back and join us for that.
1: Absolutely. We'll be there. See you, fellas. See you later.
0: All right, Holmes, what the yeah. hell is going on in your life? Well, first off, how dare he bring up college football after what I went through as a Mizzou fan? Ben, that was very uncalled great. for. No, 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 no. The refs, okay? I'm not a big blame the ref guy. Oh, uh, you're the worst the, now. Oh, the fucking tackle box extends from Kansas City to St. Louis. What the hell? I mean, the guy got hit in St. Charles. It's bullshit. I get it. The rule of the law. Yeah, he got the the punt off. I feel bad for the punter. Dude got wrecked. He like... Probably broke his leg. I feel bad for the guy. But why are you punting? It's a live ball. What the guy's supposed to do? Ask him? Is he supposed to say, hey, hey, punter, are you running? Are you going to try and throw it? Or are you going to kick it? He's got no idea. It's bullshit. They hate Mizzou. Uh, somehow, you know, North Carolina can get away with all this fucking bullshit classes that are fake. And then Mizzou's here like, we had one tutor. We're going to com- comply. Now, Mizzou, you guys are banned for a year. Mizzou don't care about Mizzou. It's a trash factory. This is what was, it is. I'm angry right now. I am I thoroughly mean, angry. You know what? I was at the game. I was sitting right there. So there's these seats that are, we got very lucky, bunker end zone. We're literally field level. We're where the cameramen basically are. So we're, that happened right in front of me. I wasn't even mad at the time because I just go, that's a stack it up there, count it. Another Mizzou way to lose the game. Fifth down, no, here's something new.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's a shame. I hear you. I. Uh, so that's one of the nice things about being a fan of the teams I root for, most of them anyway, is like I never have to worry about the officials screwing us because, like, like, the Knicks, they screw themselves. They don't to worry about that. You know, like, I can't remember the last time a Knicks fan I was like, you know, if the referees were on the level, we would like <laughs> Knicks fans are so past that at this point. You know, it's like the Knicks fans will blame anybody on the court. Never, never. If you go on a Knicks site or, you know, whatever, a a fan post, whatever it is, you will never find a Knicks fan who's like, it was the refs or it was the other team. It's always like, it's this a-hole on our team. And then it's just like a fight over like which guy it is on the Knicks that's screwing everybody. Nobody even looks at the other team. Right, like When the Knicks lost to the Hawks the other night, blew a 22-point lead, ended up being blown out at home. I didn't see one Knicks fan who was like, you know, DeJounte Murray, he's great, man. It was like, man, fuck Tom Thibodeau. Like, was <laughs> the entire – like, people are just so angry, and rightfully so. But what I was actually going to close with is on the flip side here. The Devils have been absolute just – a dog pile for a, for a decade. The Devils now are 9-3. and three, And to this point in the season, like arguably the best team in hockey. I don't know what's happening. And maybe in 70 games, I'll look back and go, huh, oh, that was a nice, fun 12 games. I don't know. The young talent, off the charts. Like, not only winning, largely killing teams. Like, just completely outplaying them for most, if not all, of the game. And when they play really good teams, the games are closer, but they still win. Uh I am I am emotionally just on the floor at this point. I don't know what's <laughs> happening. Like I I was sitting there watching them on Saturday night. Excuse me, no, it was uh Saturday night to play Calgary. On Thursday night, they're in Edmonton. Edmonton, for people who don't know, very good team with the conference final last year, very high power offensive attack. Devils are down three one going into the third period. I'm like, all right, it's in Edmonton. Like, all right, Probably not going to win this game. Fair enough. They've won whatever it is at this point, six in a row. They score a minute into the period, and then they like they're pressing the whole period. They're dominating the play. They can't score. Three minutes left. They score two goals in seven seconds and win the game. And it was like I had to be peeled off the ceiling after after the, the fourth goal to go four to three. I was just blown away. The Devils haven't had a win like that literally since like I was out of, out of college. So. I don't know what to do with myself other than be very happy at the moment. They're nine and three. They got another game tonight, a very tough game against Calgary. Um, Lucas points out Mackenzie Blackwood, three to six weeks. Andre Pilate, eight to 10 weeks are tough losses. Lucas, I hear you, man. But, I, you know, look, with Blackwood, they'll be all right. Because Vanacek's there. They should be okay. They should hold down the four for a month. Uh, Pilate, I agree with you. Although those has come up and played like Wayne Gretzky. So, I – I, but this is, this is where I'm at with this. Like – They're bringing up kids. You're like, who? And then the guy just comes in and just blistering shots and left and right. Like, okay. It's the complete opposite of everything they've been for 10 years where they bring in guys. You're like, this guy's going to be great. He just sucks immediately. He's terrible for the whole season. Now the devils are like, I don't know this guy out of the fourth row. And you're like, yeah, sure. Bring this guy in. It's in the back of the net. So it's been, it's been a dream
0: start. I hope that the dream continues. Uh, but, uh, all right. I've been to a cool. couple of Devils games, by the way. They're fun. I've been yeah. to a couple of New Jersey Devils games. They're, they're a good time. They weren't great when I when I went, but the stadium's beautiful. The fans mm-hmm. are passionate. It was cool. I, I will give you that. My my right. hockey fandom, You, I can be swayed, okay? Okay. The Sixers used to own, or they do own, the New Jersey Devils, which is wild. Same, lived, same
1: ownership group, yeah. But
0: I lived in Philly. So I'm like, am I a Flyers guy or am I a Devils team. guy? I mean, I mean, gritty is pretty cool though
1: Gritty's the best part of that team 100 uh, yeah,
0: 100 but I mean, he, he's he's pretty cool. I, I hate the flyers more than
1: any other sports franchise except for the yankees who can never lose enough um oh god i hope aaron judge goes somewhere else oh my <laughs> god be, I, I want that to happen he's had no convert i don't yeah he'll go to san francisco but i look man I don't care if the A's lose every game for the next decade. I, the Yankees, when they lose, is great. And when they lose a guy in free agency, it's even better because all their fans are like, oh my God, how could we possibly lose him? We've got more money than God. And then you got to listen to cashmic like, You know, we got to be fiscally responsible out here. <laughs> oh my God, man. I'm here for all of it. If they lose him, I will live stream WFAN on my computer all day long. So I can just listen to these people like, that's it, Mike. I'm gonna jump off the Empire State Building. That's it. I'm I, I'm here. I'm here for it all. Um, I will tell you a real quick story. and We'll get out of here. So, to your point about the Devils, um, and the and the, and the experience at the stadium, I saw them play the Penguins. I mean, I've, I've been to probably 50 plus games, 60 plus games. So I can not even tell you what year it was, but it was uh, it was probably like right around 2009. They're playing the Penguins, you know, Crosby and Malkin, peak of the powers, like really good teams at the time. Those are down 2-0 with like eight minutes to go in the game. And I'm with my buddy, and we're up in a section two, uh, 233, which they're called the crazies. Like these people have like jerseys that say 233 crazies, whatever. They're all into it. You don't, you do not sit up there in that section if you're a visiting fan. Two Penguins fans, I don't, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, whatever, sitting up there. Wife's totally fine. She's cool. Nobody's giving her a hard time. They're both wearing Crosby jerseys. The guy gets up during a stoppage in play with eight minutes left and just starts goading the entire Devil's fan base, right? Now, mind you, Devils was really good at this point. Like, this is actually, like, a legitimate, like, a game, like, could sway the division one way or the other. I think Devil's even won the division. Guy is just obnoxiously in people's – and he's hammered. Like, he's hammered drunk. In people's faces, yelling, screaming, whatever. So finally, there's one dude in the devil's jersey gets up who's probably pushing three bills. Gets up and is like, shut the fuck up. Sit down and shut. Goes, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Gets out in the aisle and he just starts like gesticulating at this guy. Devil's fan walks out and kicks this guy right in the crest of the jersey as hard as he can. Sends him head over heels down the aisle backwards, man. Like down the staircase. Thought he killed him. Guy goes down the staircase, must have lined down 30 stairs, slams into a partition at the end of this thing, is borderline unconscious. And the security guard grabs this guy and is like, all right, get out of here, you're causing trouble. Doesn't even go after the guy who <laughs> kicked this guy in the chest. Is throwing this guy out. The girl, the, the wife, girlfriend, whatever, she's like crying. This guy's name is apparently Ronnie. She's like, Ronnie, you okay? People now... Are just wailing shit at this guy, like his unconscious body, popcorn, beer, water—I mean, anything they've got. The Devils then proceed to score three goals and win the game. And I thought to myself, if that guy had still been here, like if they had somehow allowed him to stagger back up, they would have killed this guy. Like that would have been like it. I mean, I don't even know what happened to him, other than that he got taken out of there and was it, it basically comatose. Love Devils fans. Love it. Come up in the wrong section, he gets sent home on a stretcher. Welcome to Jersey. That's a Devils game. Um, that man who kicked him should be in prison. But that's neither here nor there. Oh, I literally could have killed the man. It was unbelievable. Uh, all right. We got to get out of here. Uh, for Sterling Holmes, I am Matt Verderan. Make sure you check out uh, all the videos here on the Sack in the Box YouTube channel. Please subscribe and give it a like if you can. Really appreciate it. Trying to grow the community as much as possible. All right. Thanks so much. And we will talk to you again on Sunday. Myself and Ian McMillan. Back to preview all the Week 10 action.
2: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time.